We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Thursday, January 7th, as you listen to this podcast, and the Green Bay Packers are still the number one seed in the NFC postseason this year. It's not a dream. You can you don't have to wake up. You don't have to worry about anything like that. The Packers beat the Bears 35-16 Sunday afternoon to clinch that number one seed, and we now are in wait-and-see mode for who they are going to play in the divisional round. And it remains to be seen. I have yet to see a schedule, and you guys can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I do not believe time slots for the divisional round are set in stone as of yet. So, we okay, Maggie's shaking her head at me. So they are not set in stone as of yet. Uh, selfishly, I am hoping for Saturday. So that'll probably be on Sunday at noon or something like that, which is fine if that's the case too. But I look forward to seeing that. And a happy 29th birthday to the man, the myth, the legend, my dad, Rick Westendorf. Uh, happy birthday, Pops. Appreciate you for listening along here, even though this is not your favorite team. Uh, my condolences to the Philadelphia Eagles on their tragic season. And I hope they have a better one for you this time next year. Uh, just hopefully not better than the Packers, obviously. But enough of my babble. Uh, I'm your host. I'm Jacob Westendorf. And I am joined, as always, but the wonderful Maggie Loney, who's in her victory every day, wonderful flannel. Uh, Maggie, is there a space heater down there today? Uh, there's not because I forgot to turn it off yesterday after happy hour and it was on for like a full day. And I learned my lesson of being more <laughs> careful with my space heater. 
I pray for the electric bill when, <laughs> when that comes. So, Mark, my condolences <laughs> when that time hits. Uh, also with us back this week, uh, not replaced by a cat, is Jimmy Christensen. Oh, the cat is – okay, never mind. Jimmy, you can leave. Mo is here, so no need for that. Uh, Jimmy Christensen is back with us. And with a legend, you guys can't see us because this show is obviously just audio. But if you could, behind his right shoulder is Sam Congato, which that is – hands down the best jersey i've ever seen anybody on so i gotta ask jimmy where yeah. did you get that um so that's actually the third one that i bought uh because it's when i was i lived in china and you could get anything you want in china yep and so i got one and i met someone and i had a few margaritas and convinced them that i was sam congato because they had no idea about football so i ended up giving my jersey away to someone and then I bought another one, and they misspelt it. So I had to go back and buy a third one, and now it's hanging up on my wall. So the moral of this story is that you're a bad person. No, the guy thought he met an NFL player. He had no idea. Because so, you lied to him. No, I just – he asked – yeah, okay, yeah. You That's exactly – yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Anyways, before we tell any more of Jimmy's dark secrets, let's move into – just real quick, guys, I, I, we're going to get into, obviously, some – we don't have a game this week to preview, which is a nice feeling because it's for a good reason. But, you know, I know the first year that uh, Maggie and I did this podcast together, at least, it was after the 2018 season, which is incredibly depressing uh, to go through after week 17 and be like, okay, season's over. Uh, who are we drafting? Now we don't have to do that because we're saying, okay, the regular season's over. How is this team getting to the Super Bowl, which feels like a legitimate aspiration. But I just want to go through for you guys just some general thoughts on the regular season, how you guys feel about it a couple days removed, uh, maybe the emotions that you had after the Chicago victory. I'm a very reflective person by nature when things end. Um, so, you know, I had some thoughts on that as well. But Maggie, I know you're kind of that way, too. So I wanted to start with that and see how you feel about the regular season. This team, Aaron Rodgers said this was maybe not his favorite regular season because no fans were, but maybe the most special one. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's honestly a really good way to look at it, even from a fan perspective, um, going into you know, somebody on Twitter had just mentioned the fact that March Madness is coming up and that's kind of when the whole pandemic started and we saw sports getting canceled and seasons getting postponed and we were all kind of wondering what would happen with the NFL. And I think the fact that 256 regular season games were played and now we're talking about the number one seeded Green Bay Packers having a chance to get to the Super Bowl in such a crazy year, um, it's special. And I it's special for sad reasons, but it's also special for, I think, the camaraderie and the closeness that we've seen from this team. And I know, you know, for me, I haven't been affected by the pandemic as much as so many people, but it was a nice distraction from all of that to be able to watch my favorite football team. So I think there was just a really nice way to culminate the season was the Packers clinching the number one seed against the Bears. And it just it feels like their best is yet to come. And I think that's what makes it so exciting in a year that's been pretty tumultuous for a lot of people. Jimmy. Yeah, no, just what she said. It's this year has been absolutely insane. And this team's been really fun to watch, even though I couldn't go to any games. This was a year. I even convinced my wife too, to let me buy tickets and notice I said, let me, because I did have to ask <laughs> first. Um, and so this was the year for it and everything. And, but, this team is special. It's just, again, last year we saw that they actually, you can tell that they enjoy being around each other. I continue on to this season. It's just, I've 
never really met i haven't met any of them in person but i feel like i'm part of their family watching them every sunday and it's just like she like maggie said it it gave some sense of normalcy to a, a crazy year and this is the highest my hopes has been for a packer team in a long time which has me excited and terrified and a lot of weird feelings in my belly thinking about it yeah i think you guys have hit it pretty much on the nose there is you know you talk about the camaraderie and that was something that was a legitimate worry and guys like billy turner and aaron Rodgers and a lot of players talked about that, that they had last season and how hard that is to get back. And I give this team a lot of kudos for being able to not only have that, but it feels like it's been even greater this season that this team, and in a year where, you know, we talked about this a lot when we talked about the idea of, you know, potentially adding someone like Antonio Brown. And one of the reasons I was, well, one of many reasons I was vehemently against it is this is a team and a year where you have to trust everyone on your team to basically do exactly as they're told, come to work, go home, do nothing else. And this team has done that. They trust each other. They can re really, in this case, it's one of those, you know, team feelings of we are all we got because in some cases it really is. This team is all they have. And it's been fun to watch. Uh, Like you guys said, it's been a nice distraction from all the other stuff going on in the world and a season that, you know, at some point, I don't know how certain you guys were throughout the course of time of, you know, there was at least some doubt at some point of how much it was going to happen. Was it going to be interrupted? Was it going to get canceled altogether? All that kind of stuff. So it's been fun to watch like that. Jimmy, I think you nailed it at the end there. I remember, you know, just two weeks ago, I, I texted my wife and I said, I need you to calm me down. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, I think this team's going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and she was like, well, you know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you on that. And I was like, I, I, haven't, I haven't felt this way in, you know, six years. The last time that I really felt this way was 2014. And this, I think, is the Packers' best chance to win a Super Bowl since then. And Maggie, you said something similar last week, that this feels like a legitimate shot, not like one in 2016 where it was a magic carpet ride kind of thing, or not like last year where we were all kind of just hoping that they could get by the San Francisco 49ers and win that one fluky game against the Niners and win that one fluky game again against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's been fun to watch and it's been special and this team is special and this team is fun and you can tell and I think that really starts with the quarterback and I'll say this a million times before the end of the season I'll take odds whatever I can get right now if the Packers win the Super Bowl whatever odds I can get put money on it Aaron Rodgers is going to cry and I probably will too if I see that. So quite honestly, I will absolutely cry. I'll cry if he doesn't cry and the Packers on the Super Bowl. <laughs> but if Aaron Rodgers is also crying, I will cry more. Oh, I cried the last time. So oh, yeah. yeah, in 2010, I there's a video of me somewhere. I don't know where it's at now, but like sobbing on the floor like a five year old child. I was. It was. I'm thankful this has changed since then. But to date, that was the happiest day of my life at that time. So, like I said, that's been replaced by a couple things since then. And I'm also thankful for that. But to date, that was the happiest day of my life. So let's get into some awards, because like I mentioned, we don't have a game to talk about this week. So something else to be thankful for in this season, the Packers have a bye and they have the only bye uh, in the NFC playoffs, along with obviously the Kansas City Chiefs. If you live under a rock, your playoff matchups in the NFC, the New Orleans Saints will be at home against the Chicago Bears. That game will be on Sunday. The Seattle Seahawks will take on the Los Angeles Rams, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will travel to play the Washington football team. And I'm kind of looking forward to that matchup because I have a hunch the winner of that game is going to be the team that the Packers face off against. So come on, Tommy. Anyways, here are our award categories that we're going to have, guys, and we'll go through these one by one. 
We have our most valuable player, which we are giving with a disclaimer. Aaron Rodgers is not eligible for this award because he is the league's MVP. So if he's the league's MVP, obviously he's the MVP of the Packers as well. So we're going to go with somebody other than him. Who is the most improved player on the offense and the defense? What is the best game from the 2020 regular season? Who is the most exciting draft pick or undrafted free agent, if you want to go that route? And before the season, what is your best take that came true about this team? And what is your worst one that you had about this team going into? So let's start with most valuable player. And Jimmy, I will lead off with you. I'm glad you did this because I had I had a feeling you're going to take mine. So I want I'm glad you let me go first. Um, my most valuable player is going to be Elton Jenkins. Uh, he's just so versatile on the offensive line, played a snap at every position. Um, you seen him seen him go from left guard to left tackle in a game, um, right guard to le- or right tackle to left guard in a game. Uh, he's just been incredibly versatile and a key part of the team for being able to have all these injuries to the offensive line and the shuffling around and still being able to play at a high level up front in the trenches. So Elton Jenkins, Mr. Silent G, MVP. Real G's moving silence like lasagna. As I, Jimmy, help me out. I'm not as cultured. Who said that? Uh, I think I think uh, I want to say Lil Wayne, but I could be. I, I think that's right. Lil Wayne. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I'm not I, the closer one. It's Maggie. You saw her nodding right away. That's why I went <laughs> with my answer. <laughs> I was going to say I know I've heard that somewhere, but I didn't know where. So thank you, Maggie, for saving us as you usually do. So who is your MVP? Uh, mine is Jair Alexander, and I think that we talked a lot going into the season about wanting to see him put everything together. And he was really close last year and to be a pro bowler this year, so well-deserved. I mean, he was the kind of guy where you knew half of a football field was always going to be locked down for the defense and it can't get easier for the defense to know, okay, whoever he's shadowing, there's going to be a pretty quiet day for them. And I think 13 passes defense, he had a safety He only had the one pick, but that's because, you know, opposing teams learn to not throw the ball in his direction after week one. So, yeah, to me, he just he was the in a very talented defense with a lot of really ascending players that I'm sure we'll talk about. He was the guy that you never had to worry about for the entire season. Yeah, great choices from you guys. I think Alexander is somebody that honestly, if you if we picked defensive players of the year based on numbers that aren't, you know, flashy then he might very well be a candidate. But since he only has the one interception, I think he won't be a candidate, even though he very well should be. I am going to go with Elton Jenkins as well because of the reasons Jimmy mentioned. Playing, he started his season as a right tackle and in that very same game then moved to left guard. And that's kind of been the story of the season, the way the Packers have been able to shuffle their offensive line. And I remember being very loudly against moving the offensive line around like that. I remember Mike McCarthy used to call it musical chairs along the offensive line. And, you know, the coach is the nice way of saying it. If it doesn't work, you call it musical chairs. If it does work, you call it getting the best five on the field while the Packers have gotten the best five on the field throughout the season now. And Jenkins, like you mentioned, Jimmy has played a snap at all five positions. He's played all of them relatively well. I still think his best position moving forward is left guard, but it remains to be seen. And I think you have to feel good about where, this offensive line's future is knowing that you have two really solid foundational pieces in Elton Jenkins and obviously David Bakhtiari uh, once he returns from his injury, who I have no doubt will come back stronger than ever and be the same brick that he was at the left tackle position. Hey, everyone. 
Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Let's go to the most improved player, and let's start on the offensive side of the ball. So since I started with Jimmy first, I'll let Maggie go first this time. Um, I don't know if this counts because we didn't get to see a ton of him last season with injury, but it has to be big Bob Tunyon, right? Like he, his glow up has been exceptional in this year with the Packers and tied a franchise record with Paul Kaufman, which I saw somebody mention on Twitter today that it, it feels like his season has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle because we have MVP. We have Devonte Adams setting statistical records who should be in contention for this category as well. But yeah, Robert Tunyon has been fun. And I think Tunyon, Robert Tunyon has been fun. And I think that, you know, we, we thought about Jay Sternberger and what he would look like in his second season. He's unfortunately been dealing with some injuries. Josiah DeGuara looked fun the first couple of games before he was out with an injury. And, you know, Robert Tunyon has kind of just been the reliable guy for the offense and his yardage necessarily wouldn't jump off the page at you, but his touchdown totals and the fact that he's kind of been old reliable all season has made him really fun. Yeah, he has. And obviously uh, one of the great memes from this season that has emerged is from our good friend, Aaron, who made the Robert Tunyons uh, out of a Funyuns bag. So that of course, obviously <laughs> increases his ability there. I am actually, cause I have a feeling Jimmy nodded. So I think that's where he's going to go. I'm going to go with Billy Turner and the so reason good. for, Okay, so <laughs> sorry, Jimmy. Uh, I'm going to go Billy Turner because this was a guy who pretty much everybody had written off as a player for the 2022 Packers, and he's been phenomenal. Art, if not for Elton Jenkins, you could argue the most important piece to this Packers offensive line in 2021. And honestly, I think the most important piece to this team on the offensive line as we get into the postseason because he's playing left tackle. He's been not it's not not noticeable that David Bakhtiari isn't playing, but it's not a tire fire over there either. Which when a team loses its starting left tackle, that's typically how it works. Like there just aren't most teams don't have two good starting tackles. The Packers this season have four if you include Elton Jenkins. Rick Wagner's been good in spot duty. Jenkins obviously, like I mentioned, and then Bakhtiari and Billy Turner. He's played left tackle. He's played right guard. He's played right tackle, and he's played all of them relatively well. This is somebody that was considered a bust of a free agent signing last year, and he's been very good. And he's somebody who last season was kind of an anecdote, I guess. Like everybody said, he's been such a huge part of their culture. But this year it's been not just culture, but his play on the field. And I look forward to seeing 
him, I think he'll be a big part of the story if the Packers are able to get to and ultimately win a championship. So, Jimmy, you called me a name, so go ahead and tell me why you're taking Billy Turner. <laughs> I called you a very PG name, so it's okay. Um, I'm literally the same reasons you said. He just he went from the label as a bust to now a critical part of the offensive line. Um, his contract last year, and I was towards the end of the season, I was someone too. I wrote an article. Um, for, it was for Cream City Central when I wrote there, and I said the five players that had to improve coming into the season, and he was the first person I put down. Uh, and this year he came back, and he did just that. He played different positions, moved mid-game, like you mentioned, so did Elton Jenkins. And uh, I'm I'm really happy to see his performance on the field is now getting a lot of attention rather than just being a culture piece, which you also said. But um, Billy Turner, I, I'm hoping – he was also someone that they said this could be his last season in the green and gold heading into this year. And I'm hoping we see him for another uh, couple seasons. Cause he's been, he's been great. Yeah. I think there's almost no question, right? You have to bring him back in, in 2021 yeah. season at this point, because with David Bakhtiari out, and this is more of an off season topic, but the Packers need players to play tackle. And I mean, obviously there's salary cap constraints and all that good stuff, but Turner has been too good mm-hmm. to be able to, and he's part of the reason like the, the mold, if you will, the Packers like those versatile offensive linemen be able to be able to play a lot of different positions. So, and he's an interesting guy too. So it's been nice to see, you know, that kind of get some spotlight as well. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Cause I think this part could be interesting. So uh, I flipped a coin, but I like Maggie more. So I'll go with Maggie. <laughs> um, you might be mad at me, Jacob, but I'm going to talk about Ram show, bro. And I think that Rashawn Gary has just looked so good. And you really could talk about just about either of the the first uh, round picks from the Packers in 2019, but he's been a lot of fun. And I think when we saw, you know, there were expectations about what Zedarius and Preston Smith would look like together on a field for the second consecutive season. And Z was one sack shy of his 2019 total, but Preston had kind of a down year. He came on strong, I would say in the last month of the season, but Rashawn Gary really looked good in the rotation, kind of relieving him in some spells. He fits the same mold that Z does where he can rush from anywhere. Uh, Perry and I were talking about this on PAX, as she said, in happy hour last week, where it felt like everywhere Derrick Henry was, Rashawn Gary was making a tackle. Even if his job was to set the edge, he could kind of shed his block and get to the ball carrier. And I think we saw that against David Montgomery, too, against the Bears. So Rashawn Gary has been just about everywhere, including the backfield, including recovering fumbles and I think it was a very needed season for somebody that a lot of fans wanted to call a bust before he really got his feet wet in the NFL. Before he even stepped on the field, if we're being honest, uh, Jimmy, where are you going here? First, like before I go, that's like the third time where we've said uh, people have been called a bust. So I think that's a, a big <laughs> problem in our uh, Packers fear, uh, which we already knew about, but uh I'm going to go with Adrian Amos and not so much improving from last season, but improving from the start of this season. I know people weren't happy with the the safety play over the start. And so even looking at PFF, like his first two grades were a 51 and a 46, just going to this past week against the bears, he was a 94. Um, he hasn't allowed a touchdown since week four um, or no, excuse me, week five. So he's just been a player that really stepped up from the beginning of the season. Last year, he was super consistent in the beginning of the season. It was a little bit, I don't want to say a struggle, but it wasn't the the solid Adrian Amos play we were used to seeing. And now coming towards the end of the season, him and Savage, you have to give credit because the, the two safeties, uh, If I think if we didn't have Jair Alexander getting a lot of the attention, people would be talking a lot about how how great our safeties are in the, in the secondary. 
Yeah, that's the strength of this defense, in my opinion, going into the postseason right now is those two guys. Uh, I'm also going to take Rashawn Gary because after last season, he was the team's fourth edge rusher, wasn't getting snaps over Kyler Fackrell, whether that was by design or by lack of performance. You know, we don't really know. But this season, 28 of his 38 pressures came after the calendar turned to November. He has been a wrecking ball since the calendar turned to November. Uh, he's obviously gotten that production. He had a fumble recovery on Sunday. That was a big one, obviously giving the Packers a chance to take a 21 to 10 lead early in that game, which once they get a lead, it's tough for opposing offenses because you really can take the green Bay's biggest weakness being their rushing defense. If you take that part of the game away and make teams one dimensional and you have to throw against Jair and Savage and Amos and this pass rush, that makes things tough. But Gary has been, The Eagles game was awesome. He was really good against the Titans, like Maggie mentioned. Uh, What is there to say at this point, other than I don't understand why he's getting like doubled up in snaps by Preston Smith, but I fully expect him to be a starter in 2021 for the regular season, and I think he's somebody that can play a really big role for this team in the postseason because we've talked about this a lot. When you talk about rushing the passer, Z's going to be the one that has to be the guy, but after that, they're still going to need Kenny Clark, they're going to need Preston Smith, but they're going to need Rashawn Gary too. And this is a guy who he's never going to be beloved by a certain faction of the Packers fan base that will never let go of the fact that his name is Rashawn Gary and not Brian Burns. And that's fine, but he's turning into a very good player. And I think he's somebody that's just scratching the surface of his potential at this point in his career. So that's exciting to see that maybe he's only just becoming the kind of player that he can be. Let's do best game because I think there's a couple of options for this. And really you can make this personal if you want it to as well. So Jimmy, I'll let you go first this time. Yeah. So uh, today for Pack report, I, I wrote an article about the best individual performances for, uh, for the Packers this season. And I had four different players from the week four matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and it was a little personal for me too, because my wife's family lives in Georgia and I got so much crap for the 2016 NFC championship game. So it was just nice to, obviously the implications for their game was were much higher than this one, but it was nice to, to give it back to him a little bit. But we had Zadarius Smith had three sacks. Uh, Tunyon had three touchdowns. Jamal had 95 receiving yards. Um, the last one slipped my mind or uh, Jair shut down Ridley to zero catches for zero yards. Julio Jones only had 32 yards. It was just a great performance by a lot of different people to kind of pull together in a game where we didn't have Devontae Adams. We didn't have Alan Lazard. So it was just great to see that next and up mentality go so deep on the team. Got to say that is not one that I expected. So kudos to Jimmy for pulling a rabbit out of the hat there. Okay. So (laughs) Maggie, where I assume you're going to go with one that maybe I was expecting, but maybe not. I've already been proven wrong once. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of cool that Jimmy pulled that one out because there were so many good games from the season when you really go back and look at, you know, some of the opponents that the Packers have beat. Saints game was a really good one. Week one against the Vikings was a really good one. But I'm going to go with uh, the Tennessee Titans game. And part of it is because, to me, there is nothing more beautiful than Lambeau Field in the snow. And kind of the the convincing way that the Packers won and seeing the snow, that I felt confident about the team for most of the season and I felt like they could hang but after week 16 it really felt like this was a special Packers team that was going to be really difficult to stop if they got home field advantage and you know I think maybe we'll see in the coming weeks hopefully there's some weather but the Packers played probably their most complete game of the season against the Titans a really good opponent 
And the guys in the locker room afterwards had said similarly that, you know, we practice in it, we're molded by it, we're used to it. People are afraid to come play in this kind of weather and we relish it. So it was exciting, I think, to have put that kind of performance together. That it was. And in my article today for Pack Report, I did say the Titans game. But since Maggie just said that, I will give what I would have said came in second, which she just mentioned. And that is the New Orleans Saints game. And the reason for that is because that was really your first glimpse of this team has a chance to do something special. No Devontae Adams on the road in the Superdome against Drew Brees and that high-flying offense. And the defense does just enough and makes a big turnover play with Zadarius Smith against Taysom Hill. And the offense is just lights out all night long without their best player. Alan Lazard has the best game of his career that night. Aaron Rodgers is incredible. Obviously, the Packers go score for score with Drew Brees for most of the night. And that was the first time in a long time that the Packers won a game that they weren't really supposed to win. Like a division game on the road. Okay, the Vikings game was kind of a coin flip. But you could see a path to the Packers winning that game, obviously, especially in week one. Beating the Lions at home, that's kind of pish posh. But a road game where they're not favored. The Packers hadn't won a game like that in what felt like 10 years. So that was a nice thing to see. And I think that was your first glimpse of this Packers team having a chance to really do something special. And we saw that play out and it turned out to be a huge turning point in the season. The Packers in large part clinched the one seed because of a game like that. So those games like that have huge implications. Green Bay finally won a game like that, a game they haven't won in years past. And one of the big reasons that they haven't been able to be the number one seed in the NFC for that. So that was a big one. Most exciting draft pick. Now, Everybody here is saying, well, they didn't draft anybody that's played this year. Blah, 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 blah. Shut up. Nobody cares. <laughs> Moving on. So I think we might all be, I don't know, maybe we'll all be in lockstep here. I don't know. But Maggie, go ahead and tell us. I already think I know. I just like making you wrong. So I'm not going to talk about AJ <laughs> Dillon and I'm going to cheat. And I'm going to talk about Chris Barnes because he was undrafted in the 2020 class. But I think you could argue that he's made the most significant impact for this Packers team this season. And, you know, you had uh, teased me a little bit. Maybe we'll talk about it in a couple of minutes about uh, my love for Christian Kirksey and how much I thought he was going to benefit the middle of the defense. And I think moving him to Will Linebacker and letting Chris Barnes take over the communication helmet has been really beneficial for this Packers defense the last couple of weeks. I think Chris Barnes is everywhere on the field. He's a sure, willing tackler. And kind of taking that role away from Christian Kirksey has given him his two consecutive best games of the season. So, Chris Barnes is my player for drafted slash undrafted uh, player on the rise. My go-to with Chris Barnes was I remember week one, he makes the first tackle of the season. And I literally looked at my brother and I said, who the hell is number 51? No preseason, no training camp this year. So I wasn't as versed on the roster as I normally am by that point in the year. So I had no idea who Chris Barnes was. I tell you what, I know who that is now. And I think you're right, Maggie, the, the switch in positions has been beneficial, not just for him, but for Christian Kirksey as well, as he's played better, really, I think, over the last two, three weeks as well. Uh, I'm going to go with A.J. Dillon because I use the term exciting. And after watching that game against the Tennessee Titans, it is hard not to get excited about A.J. Dillon and just his ability to have a lot of games like that in snow. He reminds me of the way Eddie Lacy used to be in that cold weather and the way defenders make business decisions when trying to tackle him and just running through people, everything like that. He is 
I know it's crazy to say after one game, but he has made me incredibly comfortable with the notion that the Packers backfield next season might be AJ Dillon and a brand new slate of people after him going through next season. So I look forward to something like that, but it was hard not to be excited with his first stint of extended action. He runs for 120 yards and was arguably the best player on the field. If not for maybe 12 and 17, the best player on the field that night from an offensive standpoint. So Jimmy break the tie or pick somebody else. Uh, I'm actually going to go with, uh, John Runyon. Uh, I'm taking your uh, Michigan guy, uh, mainly for the reason he, he got in a couple times. Uh, he he held his own, and for a player who did really well, kind of just being thrown in there. I'm interested to see what we're going to do with this offensive line because uh, Corey Lindsley might not be there next year. Lane Taylor got injured at the start of the year, was a starter. We don't know what's going to happen to him. Uh, Rick Wagner might be or a cap casualty coming this off season. So that would keep Billy Turner at right tackle. So there's just a lot of things that we don't really know what's going to happen to this offensive line. And I'm excited to see a young prospect like Runyon kind of step in and uh, maybe earn one of those spots. Yeah, that was a good one too. Uh, and he's played obviously in spot duty, but I look yeah. forward to, I think you can pencil, not pen, but pencil him in as a 2021 starter. Okay. So before the season, we all had takes. We all had thoughts. What was your best take from coming into the season? Maggie's shaking her head at me. <laughs> what was it? I legitimately am trying to remember a good take that I had from the beginning of the season. Oh, unless man. I said that the Packers were going to be a good football team like that. <laughs> Ta-da, that happened. But, you know, I wrote a, an article for Chiefs TV with all my predictions from the cat is in my headphones uh, with all my predictions from the season, comparing their stats from 2019 to 2020. And I think I just missed on about all of them, but I guess the closest one was I thought the Packers would have four receivers on their team with 500 or more yards for the first time since 2012. Alan Lazard, I believe finished with 451 yards. So had he not gotten injured, that would have come true, but, we saw Tunyon, MVS, and Devontae Adams exceed that 500-yard mark. So, close All enough. All right. I think, I think that's a win. If Like you mentioned, if Lazard doesn't get hurt, you're talking he misses four games, divide that by 50, that's like a little over 10 yards a game. So, I think we can get that. Jimmy, what's yours? Yeah, so a lot, a lot like Maggie, when she joked and texted us that she doesn't have bad takes, I was thinking, oh, I don't have good takes, so this is going to be hard for me. Um but one that I uh, and it's it's I can't even take credit for it. I was I had the chance to interview Billy Turner uh, this off season for again when I wrote for Cream City Central and I I just got really big on Billy Turner because he was so fun to talk to. Uh, so then obviously after that point I was just saying how he's going to be a great part of this offensive line. I never predicted him moving to right tackle. I thought he'd still be right guard. Um, so I guess I was high on Billy Turner coming into the season that he'd be a good part of this offensive line, but mainly just because he won me over with his cool personality and his tattoo that says stay weird because that, I thought that was a cool thing. <laughs> uh, the one I'll go with, is, it's not really mind blowing, I guess, but you know, the idea that the offense would be fine and pretty good. I didn't know they were going to be the number one offense in all of football, but I definitely thought they would take a step uh, without adding anybody of significance to the pass catching group. Uh, so I think that certainly played out. Like I said, I, I can't take credit for saying they were going to be the best offense in the NFL because I certainly didn't say that. But I thought they would be OK, even though everybody focused on the fact they didn't add anything. I thought that year two leap within the floor system would certainly help. I thought Rodgers would play better. 
I didn't think he would be the league MVP. I certainly didn't pick him to do that either, uh, anything like that. But that's what I'm going to go with as far as my best take in terms of what has happened here in 2020. I'm all about accountability. And I think that in an age where you can delete tweets and delete Facebook posts and everything like that, I think a lot of people do do that. Uh, One of the tweets that I've had that recently got found by Bill's Mafia was I said, uh, if Stefan Diggs thinks Kirk Kirk Cousins sucks, wait till he meets Josh Allen. I've left that tweet up. I've also (laughs) said I was wrong about Josh Allen several times, but obviously this is a Packers related show, so I can't use that one. Uh, My worst take. So I am going to start and my worst take coming into the season um, was that. I actually forgot it. So that's great. This is a good start going here. So Jimmy, go ahead and jump in because I have to look that up as to what I said. So go ahead. Oh, I've, I have a few. Uh, one of them was that I thought Preston Smith was going to be the the sack leader on this defense. I thought he was going to come in and be just a complete wrecking ball. Um, and as Maggie mentioned earlier in the show, he started off really slow this season. He picked up the last few weeks, had some, had some big plays, but overall compared to last year, uh, Preston just, hasn't been the same player, um, hasn't made the impact he did last year. And for someone who wrote an article saying, uh, granted, I took a quote from him from a press conference, but I, I titled it Preston Smith is ready to break records. So um, he did not break any records. So uh, that was my bad take of the season. I think it's still break records in the postseason. I remember now. Thank you. Uh, the offensive line. I was so concerned about the right side of the offensive line. And I was very loud about my thought of letting Brian Belaga go being a mistake. Despite his injury history, I was very worried about the prospect of Rick Wagner or Billy Turner being the right tackle. I was even louder about the fact that they didn't draft an offensive tackle to be somebody that could step in if either of those guys stunk. So I was worried about that as well. I was even trying to talk myself into the idea that John Runyon could be the starting right tackle by the end of the season. Turner, Wagner absolutely proved me wrong all season long, and I am happy as always to eat crow when I am wrong. So that was far and away my worst take coming into the season. I'm not going to, I could use Jay Sternberger, but I think uh, a lot of people are giving up on him a little early and, you know, the injury bug obviously bit him a little bit this year, but tight ends just in general tend to take a while. So I'm going to give myself a pass on my Jay, Jay Sternberger take and I've got an even hotter one going into 2021, but I'm going to let that one sit and simmer for a little bit before we get to that. So Maggie, go ahead. Uh, Well, wait a minute. She said she doesn't have any bad takes, so we can end the show right here. right? (laughs) (laughs) I did find um, the article that I wrote for GSUD TV in late August uh, with my predictions for the 2020 season. Um, And I will circle back to my best take where I said, uh, Devontae Adams is going to have a career year with over 1400 yards and 14 touchdowns. So cross that one off. That was probably my best. Uh, my worst is actually about Aaron Rodgers, and it was kind of because of last season. Um, I said that I thought that he would have his eighth season throwing 4,000 or more yards with fewer than 10 interceptions, which obviously he did. But I didn't think that he would hit 400 touchdowns until next season because he's only thrown 36 or more touchdowns four times in his career. And boy, did he throw more than 36 touchdowns (laughs) in 2020. So that is a, I guess, bad take that I am very happy was proven incorrect. Yeah, there are some Aaron Rodgers takes that came across the internet this offseason that Uh, Maggie yours is not nearly at the top of that list when it comes to that. I'll even give one of saying I at least understood the conversation of, is he declining? Uh, which clearly is not. So uh, I have a question for you. Can I ask you a question? 
in the offseason, you had said that you would take Patrick Mahomes above everybody else in the NFL at quarterback. After the season that Aaron Rodgers has had going into the playoffs, would you still rather have Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback of the Packers? Yes, but by a hair. Okay, that's fair. I was just curious. All right, so there we go. We are at the end of the show. Be sure to check us out at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westner. You can follow Jimmy. He's at Jimmy underscore ZC08. And Jimmy, you can tell us where we can find you. Yeah, so every Tuesday, um, I have an article coming out for Packer Report. Um, on Wednesday, you can find me at Lombardi's Bar over at Game on Wisconsin. Thursdays uh, right here at Packaday. And then for the next, hopefully into the Super Bowl, I'll be uh, at Game on Wisconsin either Saturday or Sunday, depending when the Packers play for the, the pre snap show. And Maggie, hit the recording. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me and all of my writing with Cheesehead TV two times a week. You can find me with Perry Goldstein, who I've been told I call uh, the light of my life. Uh, frequently on this show, we do Packs What She Said podcast, comes out uh, Thursday or Friday, depending on when we get around to recording it. Um, and then you can catch me and Perry again on Mondays doing happy hour for Game on Wisconsin, the greatest live show when there is a victory Monday to discuss. Yeah, and we have three more planned. So Packers, don't screw that <laughs> up. Uh, just letting you guys know on that. Thank you guys for listening this week and every week. We will be back next week with this group, and we will chat with you guys after the Packers are taking on one of the Washington football team, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Los Angeles Rams, or the Chicago Bears. So thank you guys for listening, and go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.